G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Breakevens brought to you by Blue Wealth Property. They make investing in property easy for you. Reach out to Tony and the team if you are interested and bloke in a bar, go grab yourself a case of beer this weekend. Finals footy, super exciting, cannot wait for it. Uh, Timmy, welcome back mate, what's happening? Mate, good to be along. Uh, finals fever kicking in, it's, it's an interesting... I tell you what, it's a very enjoyable period of the year. I, I love my job. I love chatting about footy every week. But it can be a long season, 25 rounds, plus four, five, six weeks of pre-season. Just watching some finals footy without the stresses of Supercoach. And uh, it's a nice time of year for many reasons. Yeah, it's a cracking time of the year. And obviously, Supercoach season done and dusted. We had our review show yesterday. So if you'd like to go back and watch that, go and have a look. Uh, finished up pretty close between me and Timmy. Bit of good banter in there. Uh, now, we're going to go through each week over the next four weeks and go through four sides uh, heading into next season. We'll start from the bottom of the ladder. So actually, today, we're doing five teams. We will include the Dolphins in it as well. Well, not a heap to touch on with the Dolphins, but I have got a couple of cheapies that I think are worth touching on. But we will start from the bottom of the ladder today. The West Tigers, uh, one of the great shit fights of a season of all time, unfortunately, for Tigers fans, uh, collecting the wooden spoon. Uh, when I have a look over their Supercoach season, I think it's fair to say their best of 2022 would have been Joe Offahengawi. Uh, we spoke about him a little bit throughout the season. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, if he did do it, you would have had the shit scared out of you when Jackson Hastings was moved to 13, but then when he got injured, Joe o finished the season pretty well. Um, I, I can accept that I didn't go this one, though. Yeah, oh yeah. And it, it ties into, <clears throat> I have got this big, big super coach train of thought that I, I rarely pay up or waste trades on front rows because they pretty well all do... A lot of the best ones, give or take, probably Joe Taffney this year, who was outstanding, uh, and obviously IPAP, who's just leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. They all do a pretty similar job. And Joe was wonderful this year. Anyone who jumped on would be very happy with that trade. But he still finished the year with a 61 average. Now, if you take out the early stages of the year, that's probably a little bit higher. But he was really benefited by just the amount the amount of injuries at the Tigers, ins and outs of the pack, people getting dropped. He was just the consistent through the whole year. So every time we thought, you know, he'd been playing inflated minutes and they were going to drop off, he was one of the few that just showed up every week and yep. had a bit of a crack. So they, they weren't in a position to play in fewer minutes. And, and he was, you know, to anyone who did jump on, good stuff, but I was never going near him. Yeah, and if you did manage to pick him up in your <laughs> draft comps, that would have been sensational mm. for your dual position as well. Most disappointing at the Tigers, it's a hot field. <laughs> good God, it is a hot field. Uh, but the reality is we weren't really relying <laughs> on many West Tigers players this year. So as much as there was a lot of disappointing performances there, none of them overly impacted us. I would say I never had him, but from, you know, talking to mates that did, uh, Tualangi, who was in the back row for them, a uh, bit of a cock tease this year, Kelma, um, a um, couple of HIAs, injuries, all this sort of stuff. Never really uh, hit the scores we wanted. A guy that got our attention throughout the year was Stefano. We spoke about him quite a bit, thinking if he's about to hit form, could be a really good little get. We, we never ended up pulling the trigger, and thankfully we didn't because he just never got back to that form, did he? He didn't, know. There was He looked and it was a little bit tempted on him when he came back from that. It might have been a syndesmosis injury, and it looked a little bit... Uh, he came up very cheap, and he'd played a few minutes and had a few injury-impacted games where he was... I think he was sub-300K, and it was just before, I think, maybe round 17, the second major bye week, and you're going, maybe he would just be a handy extra number, a bloke for the run home that we've seen him. He's been able to hit uh, the back end of... 
2021. He was averaging 65 to 70 odd per game. Uh, Fortunately, didn't go there. Tua Lungy was the, the interesting one, wasn't he? He it just, I owned him for a good chunk earlier on in the season. I only played him a couple of times, but just everything that could go wrong with him did go wrong. As you said, injuries, HIAs, his inability to score a try. I shouldn't say inability. He was so unlucky and just inches and millimetres from scoring tries earlier on in the year. He never made sort of too much money for us. He's this big, bustling 80-minute back rower. He started the year very cheap. You're like, he was just perfect. And it just didn't happen. Just didn't come together, yeah. did it? Yeah. Um, the guys to watch for season 2022. Uh, I've got one each. I'm going to throw up Jackson Hastings. Now, Tim Sheens came out and said the other day that he is going to play 13. I don't know if Jacko is going to be there next season, realistically. But if it is, it sounds like he will be at 13. Um but I'm not sure if the Tigers are going to be able to re-sign Brooks, Dewey and Hastings. Mm. As it stands right now, we'll take Tim Sheen's word that Hastings will be at 13. I think it's worth noting that last year in the three games he played at lock, uh, he based at 53 and had a 70-point average there. So if he is at 13, uh, he's one to have a look at because his average over the entire season was 52 points. So he'll be a little bit cheaper than what he should be there. But uh, once again, he's halfback 5'8". There will probably be better options out there. One of them might be your man, Adam Dewey. Talk to us. Yeah, I think Dewey will be a really good buy next season for a few reasons. Um, he just he'll start the year pretty cheap. So he based on a fifty nine point average. He played fewer minutes this season in his ten or eleven games that he did play back from an ACL injury. We know that <clears throat> historically, just about every player ever, I think everyone except Roger Tuivasa Shek at the Warriors at fullback has come back from an ACL injury and average lower than the season before. Um, Dewey came out, still averaged 59 points per game. And that was, on top of that, he played fewer minutes off the bench in his first couple of games. <clears throat> played at centre a little bit, roamed around. Next year, the Tigers are going to have a better side. They couldn't possibly go worse, you wouldn't imagine. Dewey has shown a knack of scoring well, even in a poor side. Uh, if Hastings does go as well, you should have got him and Brooksy there. He'll have a massive say in attack, so... Based on a 60-point average next year, is one that, look, you probably want to see the Tigers the first few rounds. But, look, if they come out in trials and look good and IPAP and, and Appy have a good impact there, I can see himself starting the year without him doing. I think that's the important thing. You would assume that IPAP, <coughs> he will slide in on the right edge for the West Tigers, mm. so he'll be outside Dewey. That'll be a great combination. I think the other thing to watch with Dewey... If Hastings is back to full fitness and he's not carrying the many leg injuries he was last year, who goal kicks out of Hastings and Dewey? I think Dewey. I think Dewey's mm. a better goal kicker. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see which way they go there. But I, regardless, I think you want to know, because if Dewey, like, as much as it might yes, only yeah. add eight yeah. points a game at max, it is worth noting yeah. and seeing who gets and it. The other thing on Dewey will be positioning. Does he get his dual 5'8 centre again? Because yeah. at 5'8", I'll probably be a little bit reluctant to start him just because there'll be so many good options. But if he's at centre, I'll, I'll be hard-pressed going past him. Yeah. How many games did he play? I think he played two or three games at he, centre this year. He, he did, yeah. He started there for a couple of games, but he only played 10 or 11 games. So, big one to watch at Super Fingers crossed. HQ there. Yeah. He played centre that day that we watched them too when he came mm. off the pine, but I don't know if that'll I hope. count. Most people sort of sit there and look at these sort of decisions and go, oh, I hope he gets 
CT dub availability. I'm the opposite. I'm not stuff it. Keep him just at 5'8". Make it as hard as possible. As hard as possible. Yeah, yeah you're an arsehole. <laughs> All right, let's move to the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, not an overly relevant supercoach team. I think their best this year was probably Torhu Harris once he returned. 60-point average throughout the year. Would you back in Torhu as their best there? Yeah, I, I would. And another one, coming back from an ACL injury, and mm. he... Just dished out big numbers again, didn't he? 61-point average again. Started coming off the bench. So in his 80-minute games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, far higher than what the, the 61 suggests. So Torhu, just been such a rock for a number of years now, hasn't he? Yeah, and he will continue to be, I've no doubt about it. Uh, most disappointing, another one that's a reasonably hot field, I think AFB and Sean Johnson, pretty disappointing this season. I thought AFB could have one of those seasons where he really explodes. I still feel like that season is coming. But I don't know if I'm ever going to be confident enough again to pick him. Uh, but, mate, Valia, I've been very high on him. Watched him come through up there at the Dolphins over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think he is. He has got a future ahead of him. But as far as this season goes solely, uh, pretty disappointing. Some pretty low scores. Got a couple of injuries. Uh, there was even games where he scored two tries. They were all off kicks, and he scored about 40 points. So he was a bit of a headache for a lot of supercoach owners this year. The other one was uh, Josh Curran, who... Uh, such a good super coach player, and we saw it on the weekend. Two tries, as you, you said on Monday, there's always something happening around Josh Curran, but I don't know what happened. He, he pissed in someone's water bottle. He just couldn't get a gig in that team, could he? Oh, unbelievable. Just quickly on SJ, he was a funny one, and talking about on yesterday's episode, best and worst trades of the season, I was really tempted to start the youth SJ at the mm. price. I just love the bloke, and it was one of them sort of bias picks, and everything he was saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. All right, I need a... The injury risk was the concern. I had full faith in his ability at this very cheap starting price. He was like early 400,000 or maybe about 450. And I remember I was like, injury risk. So I spoke to Anil Fisio about it, jumped onto his Patreon, Patreon and, and had a look at his analysis, did an anal injury analysis of every player. And SJ was like, you know, he's carrying these sorts of things. Every chance of uh, aggravating inj existing injuries um, would recommend avoiding. Chad Daniel Fisio about like, yeah, they're probably smarter to avoid on that thing. I think a week later, I end up starting with Dylan Brown and not SJ. And NRL physio went against his own advice and knowledge. And he started with SJ. Good God. <laughs> Who, to his credit, he ended up finishing Mate, he's done well, finished 50th or something. Did he really? Yeah, absolutely. What, what a man. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so got dodged one there for sure. And SJ, I mean, speaking of never again list, no matter what price, is, I think he can bounce back and, and offer a little bit at the back end of his career. I don't say that confidently, but just injury risk. Josh Curran, uh as I said, he just couldn't get the minutes, could yep. he? And, and when he did get his 80-minute games, he looked good. Um, he averaged 54 for the season, but again, that's on very limited minutes. So next season, if he can get locked down an 80-minute role, he's going to start the year very cheap. Yeah, for sure. The other one that was a bit of a disappointment for me was Aaron Penne. I thought the back end of the season, he'd really come on as a front row forward there. Matty Lodge left and he's still... Had nothing going there. So I still think he's one of those guys that when he gets around that 50, 60 NRL game mark, you might see him come good. But definitely a disappointment for this year. Watchers for next year. Now, they've got a heap of guys coming in. For me, uh, Metcalf, if he gets a gig in this starting team, I'm not sure if he will. I think he's in the 17 somewhere. I think he'll, I think there's a good chance he could be there 14 next season. But if something does happen, then he manages to snag the fullback spot, the 5'8 spot, if there's injuries throughout the year or whatever. I think Metcalf's one to watch. Um, Chance, he'll be pretty cheap coming in there next year. I think he'll be around the 350 sort of mark. Probably not cheap enough. 
to fill a fullback role. Um, Dylan Walker coming in at 13. He's another one that could be interesting if he gets big minutes. But I think Neocore, he's probably the pick of the bunch as far as the new guys go there. If he becomes an 80-minute back rower, uh, he's got my attention very quickly. He'll be the man, Wayne, in Neocore, because we've seen what he can do. Uh, So this season, average 40 points per game. So uh, without looking into it too, too much, he's starting very affordable. What's that, 40? It's not that hard to work it out if you're based on the start of the year pricings, but... You know, he'd probably be sub 400k, just under. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So if he's a big, if he's a big minute player at the Warriors, he's just got a very super coach friendly game. He can produce some attack. He bust tackles. Got a bit of an offload on him. So yeah, he'll, he'll be a very serious watch. But again, the Warriors are probably one that uh, I'll be looking at the first couple of weeks before investing, unless there's some really obvious cheapies. Just because new coach coming in, mm. they're just the most unpredictable club on the planet. So. They, they're so hard to make any yeah. strong assumptions on. In saying that with Nick Corre, I, I, you know, I know it's easy to say here, but I think he is exactly what they fucking need. You and Aitken gone, Jack Murchie gone, Ellie Katoa gone. She would have to think one of age. one of Nick Corre current has to be locked in for yeah. 80 minutes, at least one. I, I, I'm almost willing to say I think both of them would be, yeah. but at least one of them, surely. Torhu's in middle these days, I yeah. think, so that only helps. And oh, I think, yeah, Nick Corre, you're right. He could be a great guy. Josh Curran is the other one. We spoke about him earlier in the most disappointing, but if he does get 80 minutes, uh, I, if if we get any indication that he's going to be an 80-minute back row, I think I'll probably have him in my team next year. Yeah, he'll start cheap. And that's yep. it. Like, we talk about a new coach coming in. Well, maybe that brings a bit more stability to the roster and the weekly selection. So if, they, if he comes out and he does stick more often than not to his 17 each round, well, then you'll be a lot more belief in, in going with someone like Curran. Yep. Keep an eye on Volkman. And if you don't, I'll remind you every fucking week. So don't worry <laughs> about that. All right, let's move to the Newcastle Knights. Uh, I think their best for 2022, probably their most consistent, was big David Clemmer. Uh, I think he finished with about a 60-point average. It was about five or six different points throughout this season where I thought, I'll bring Clemmer in this week. Uh, I was always worried about the Saifidis coming back and blokes stealing minutes. He was just a 60 Every single week, essentially. Obviously, had a bit of carnage at the back end of the season, missing games here and there. Uh, but Clemmer, I think, is probably their best. But I think our yeah, little unsung hero for Newcastle, Hooker was pretty uh, pretty scarce at the start of the season. Randall, he did a really good job for all of us. Wasn't fantastic, but did a job for us. Made a bit of coin. He did, yeah. Handy enough, value-wise. The one thing that did do my head in with Randall at starting, he's one of them players that... Every week you needed to play him, mm. he banged out a 30. And then yep. every week you didn't need to play him, he'd set up a try, a score, um, whatever it might be, and he'd punch out his 60s and 70s. Just could not time the actual points to land in your team. But at the end of the day, he was purchased as a cheap and he made his money, albeit being a bit of a slow burn, but he was all right. Yeah, did a job for us. Most disappointing from Newcastle, uh, KP. Obviously, I, I think I saw the other day that, like, if you – I think it was one of the Newcastle pages. Forgive me, I can't remember the name of it, but – uh, the new like if you play every single game this season, it was something like two thousand minutes. If you play eighty minutes of every single game, I think he played thirty seven percent of that. So Mister Heap at footy, I think he st- he played eleven games, didn't finish all that many of them. Um, so very disappointing from KP. Finished with a sub sixty average. What would he, what do you end up? Is fifty point four. Fifty point four. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I I went on a podcast at the start of the year. One of my bold predictions was for him to average sub fifty five, 
average. That's a good get. Yeah, it was a great get. I was stoked. I I've thought it was a bit low. I, well, most did. I was actually <laughs> at my draft weekend. The bloke that drafted him is a bit of a loose cannon. And we, you know, at the end of draft night, we all put bets on with each other. And you have to have X amount of shots before draft day next year. And I said to him, I'll have a bet with you with for KP's average. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, what do you want? And I went, oh, and in my head, I thought 55 might be a bit low. I go, I said, I'll go sub 60. He goes, 60? He won't go sub 70. Let's do 70. And I went, <laughs> sure, let's do that, my friend. Great. So yeah. poor old Pete, he made about seven KP bets. So he's going to be one drunk little skunk come uh, draft day next year. Uh, so he's a, he was disappointing. Then I think Leo Thompson and Mama Sia, I think a lot of people weighed up which one of these two they would go. I think whichever way you went, you were disappointed. If you went both of them, you're a fucking train wreck in your front row forward. Neither really kicked on, did they? They didn't. And speaking of lessons learned for people out there, uh, look, it's easy to say in hindsight, but both were playing pretty limited bench minutes. Mama Sia in particular, I know he had his injury and that didn't help, but... He really did. He basically had one good trial game. And mm. I think he might have scored a couple of good tries and people got a bit excited about him. Um, Mama said, yeah, he had a really good trial game. He, he impressed in trials, yeah. yes. So people got excited. And Leo that. Thompson just looked like the meanest motherfucker of all yeah. time. So in it's like, yeah. for starters, trials are such a loose guide. Like, yeah. So don't, they're, they're, they're a guy, but don't look too much into them. But just bench forwards. Like... I just wouldn't start with them in my side unless you know they're getting good minutes. If they're starting happy days, but off their bench forwards, just take a look at them the first two rounds before price changes come in because neither of those, particularly Momosia, who was just stuck in a lot of teams this season, never look really like getting minutes. There are injuries to back rolls and you still couldn't get a look in. So, yeah, a tough tough pill to swallow for the Momosia owners. As far as Newcastle night watches for 2022, um, I think the halves will be interesting. I don't know how they will line up. Anthony Milford has left. I would like to think they'll go into the market to get someone during the off-season, there might be a young guy that might pop up there. Uh, Caelan Ponga, though, he's going to be dirt cheap next season. Will you be starting with him? It's funny, isn't it? The bloke who who crueled my season this year with one of the... I'm reluctant to say worst trades because he got injured. It happens. But he didn't go poorly as such. But he uh, made price on a 50-point average. Yep. Caelan Ponga in a night side that really can't go much worse... Um, look, I, I, I can't see myself not starting with Caelan Ponga at that price. He'll, he'll be like a poor man's super coach version of Ryan Pappenhausen this year who started really cheap. This year or last year, Pappy started cheap? It was this year. Might have been this, this year. year. And yeah. he was in every side. Uh, I think KP will be close to the most purchased player to begin next year. People might laugh at me now, but on a 50-point average, it sounds like there's every chance he'll... Would he be in the World Cup squad? He'd be around there. I, I think sure. he will be. be Sounds like there. he will be, yeah. So, with a bit of luck, he'll dodge that, get his melon right. Um, or in on the flip side, he goes and plays the World Cup, kills it because he's a freak, and he'll just be in a lot of teams in round one. I think KP, so uh, I'll, I'll be keen on him. Uh, I will just throw it out there. The rumours of Ruben Garrett going there, I don't see it happening. But if Ruben Garrett does go there, KP moves to 5'8". He probably won't be goal-kicking then. Well, yeah, and I mean, I forgot to mention that. That's the other, the big watch, Clifford as well. If Clifford starts the year in the halves, he'll goal kick. Yeah. So Tex Hoy, who obviously sort of cape, Hoy plays when KP's not there, but Hoy can kick. He's going to the, the Super League. Uh, Milf can kick a little bit. He's gone. 
Clifford, let's see if he's in the side, but Barnett, who can kick the odd goal, he'll be gone. So as it stands, there's not many goal kickers in that side, but that will happen. Put it this way, if he's goal kicking round one, I think he'll be a must-have to start the year. Yeah. The other one for me that's a bit of a watch is Jaden Braley for the Newcastle Knights. Obviously came back from injury uh, at the back end of this season. Returned in round 17, scored 47. The next two weeks after that was 39 and 26. Then he sort of started to get a bit of uh, form on the board. He then finished the season with 59, 72, 66, 71 and 82. So pretty handy for a hooker. Finished the season with a three-round average of 73, five-round average of 70. Uh, but he'll be going at a 58-point average. So one to consider. I think hookers are looking pretty decent for next year. I think Harry Grant will be sort of an automatic sort of pick there at hooker. But Jaden Braley... I wish he was a little bit cheaper. I wish he had one or two more games at the start of the season when he was quiet. But with a full preseason under his belt, Jaden Braley, he could be an interesting one for the Newcastle Knights next year. The SC Playbook podcast has teamed up with proud sponsors Pat and George from Mortgage Choice Sutherland, Cronulla and Wollongong this season. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the last rate for your refinance, Give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Let's move to our last team they're going to review on here, the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, their best of 2022. I've thrown up three names here. AJ Brimson, Tino, Bo Fermor. Bo Fermor, probably our guy across the entire season. What do you reckon? What a gun, hey. And yeah. Again, a tough one for a lot of people who... They started, who might have started with him, and he looked pretty enticing. I, I remember being a little bit on the fence with him, and I, I was a little bit against him to begin the year just because I could just see him being that bit of a second-row centre-wing plotter. And we were coming off the back of the 2021 season where point-scoring records were smashed, Supercoach scoring records were smashed. And while we anticipated that that wouldn't happen again this season and there would be a regression in scoring, the idea was still to chase these high-ceiling CT dubs it probably regressed a little bit more than we anticipated. So there was a bit of room for maybe a decent second row forward at centre. And Furmore, I just don't think anyone would have anticipated him scoring as many tries as he did yeah. or being as good as he did. Like his base was solid, but you know if he didn't score tries, he was good for a 45-point score, a.k.a. plotter. He scored something like seven tries in his last six games or something to finish yeah, something crazy. Yeah. So there were just a lot of tries, but... Just a really good footballer, and and he's nothing. He's just the complete opposite to the bloke on the other. It's Dave Fafita. He just toils, gives everything he's got, and the results came out for him. So yeah, great purchase firm. Or if anyone jumped on him again late in the season, I think Tino was the other really interesting one, especially for the run home. He finished with a three round average of eighty nine and a five round average of eighty two. Tino, who was a guy that I've always sort of been a little bit iffy on as far as uh, his super coach output goes, but. Pretty consistent year for him. So, Tino, well done to him. But AJ Brimson, you guys made the call on Supercoach Playbook about three weeks ago that if you wanted to make a big play for the back end of the season, AJ Brimson was your guy. Uh, I know that our mate Stevie Hebner got on AJ and I sort of laughed at him a few weeks ago. I ended up beating him by nine points overall the entire season. And fuck, I'll tell you what, AJ closed the gap big time. He finished big this season. I remember I picked him up at the same time last year with the same thought process and he just... He finished a pass away from scoring 100 just about every single week, but he got that 60 every week that you just you were happy with, you weren't stoked with. The opposite this year, he killed it. I think despite you not going AJ Brimson, I think that was one of your best calls of the season. Thanks, mate. 
Yeah. Um, that killed me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clip it up, Matty. He yeah, can play it for himself yeah. during the off-season. <laughs> Put myself to sleep with it. Um, oh, I was so keen to get him, but I only had the one trade left, which with all the, the outs and restings that were sort of coming for that last round of the season... I was just like, I might need this trade. And it worked out okay in the sense that I held off and I got drinking for his 85 or whatever, which was similar to Bruno in the last round. But I really wanted him two weeks ago and he pumped out that 139, I think it was, in round 24. If I had two trades, I 100% would have done it. But just with the one trade, that I was a bit worried that there'd be mass resting. So, uh, But yeah, Brimo, he's just an absolute gun. Yeah. Holy shit, he's a good footballer. And next year... He's a bloke that I oh, what sixty four. He'll be off a sixty four average. I think he he's probably another watch on the Titans the first few rounds. And if the Titans click, he'll be straight into my team. But you just don't know what they're going to throw up. So if they're trash again, it's just going to be limited opportunities. He can also find an injury. But God, he's good. No doubt, most disappointing has to be for oh, Fafita this year. I mean, mate, in saying that, fuck. I mean, I say he's the most disappointing. I think he's still like finished with like a sixty-five yeah. average or something like that. But eh, fuck you. I think he's more disappointing to watch than he is to probably see his scores. Sixty-seven point average, and I'm saying he was disappointing. Like that's just the potential on this guy. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be very interesting next year. Once again, sixty-seven point average. He's not going to be cheap, but mm. sixty-five after the final round it was sixty-five. Okay, a little bit, yeah. So. Oh, it's going to be enticing, isn't it? It is going to be very enticing. And, you know, that sort of leads us to our guys to watch for next year. He will definitely be one of them for feeder to keep an eye on. Do you see yourself starting with him? I do. Yeah. I do. He's a, he's a guilty pleasure kind of player. And just because he has to do so little to score well, put it this way, they can't use him any less effectively than they did this year. Surely an enormous part of their off-season is how do we get more out of David Fafita? And I just, I don't see him averaging less than 65, but he could easily come. And I know we say this and we say this and we say this with Dave Fafita, but he could come out the first three rounds and go 130, 130, 130, and it's like, good luck catching us. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and we're not going to have to pay 800K for him. We're going to get him at, at probably around 6, 6, 10K. So based on that, I, I'll struggle to leave him out. I think Kieran Foran's going to be massive for him as well. Oh. I just can't see a world where Foz doesn't say, fucking hold my belt and come with me. Hopefully he plays his edge because Foz... I think you put him on his edge. Just, I don't give a just, fuck which side it is. Just put him next to Foz. He's remarkable. One of the better ones in the competition at isolating an opposing half. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I also, the longer this season goes, the more I watch the Titans, the more I like Kempy's idea of just putting him at 13. We're just putting him run through the middle at least, which if he does do that, I'll be very interested that we tackle breaks galore there. Other guys to watch at the Titans, I just mentioned the 13 jersey. We assume Aaron Clark will be there. Oh, fuck, I hope so anyway. Surely with Sam Verrill's coming at nine, Aaron Clark will be at 13. He could be an interesting one there. Um, scored really well when he was at 13 this year. Sam Verrill's though at hooker. Um, he's finished the season pretty well at the Sydney Roosters. I wish he was a little bit quieter. He could have been interesting up there. You assume he'll be an 80-minute nine. Mm. Uh, could you go near Sam Verrills next year? Probably not. Averaging mid-50s. So, I mean, mid-50s based on sort of about 65 minutes per game this year. He's going from a really good side with a lot of go forward to a Titan side that I'll question. So he could be a sneaky one, but... When I'm looking at the start of the season, I'm sort of going guns, or if I'm looking at mid-ranges, I'm looking at ones who are going to get significant minute increases. 
And Verrill's going from 65 to 80. He's probably just under. If he was maybe 55 to 68 minute average this year and he's going to 80, I'd be tempted by him, but just not quite enough for me. Not quite enough. Uh, one young gun that I want you to keep an eye on is a CTW, a cheapie for the Gold Coast Times next year. His name is Khan Piera. Uh, he's been playing up in Q Cup up there. Very destructive, scoring a heap of tries, lightning quick. I think he's one that he will get an opportunity. He was sort of on their extended bench the last few weeks. Mm. I think at some point he gets an opportunity up there. It is a stacked CTW class up there at the Gold Coast Titans, but I think he's a guy that can get a shot at some point. I'll hand over to you for the CCWs because it's like a farm of potential up there. Isn't it? Yeah. And, and that's what I touched on with the Titans. I don't think it'll happen. I'm not crash hot on the Titans next year, but we know they've got points in them and attacking prowess. So if the first two rounds they do come out and kill it, look at players like Corey Thompson, who mid last season was busting like 15 tackles a game for fun. I think he got over 600k was on the end of a really good attacking back line and people were scrambling to get him in. Now, I know that sounds stupid saying from the year, I don't think Corey Thompson had a bad year. I think the Titans had a bad year. And if you're the winger in a poor side, of course you're going to have a down year when it comes to try yeah. or whatnot. He finished the year average two, averaging 29 points per game. So if they come out firing to start next year and Thompson's the regular winger and he gets back to those 10 to 12 tackle busts a game, he will just be like... He could be cheaper of the year. He could be nothing. He could average 15 points. But if the Titans fire, I like him. You then look at people, and this is all speculative on if they do come out and look the goods. I think Greg Marge has got too many defensive liabilities or deficiencies in him, I should say, to get a long-term crack in this side, as good as he looks at times. But, I mean, Brian Kelly, he averaged 46 points this season. If the Titans fire, he'll be in everything in attack. So I don't mind Brian Kelly, uh, but it'll just be a, a close watch for the first two rounds of the year. Greg Marshu could double as the Titans' left winger and their mascot. I feel like he just sums up that entire <laughs> side. Incredible attacking upside, shocking defensively. Uh, if, if he can put it together... He could be a real prospect. He could be a super coach and NRL god. Like if, yeah. Imagine if the Titans became like a top six side and their attack hit what we've seen them do at their best every week. Like he could average ninety yeah. tackle busting, scoring tries, big workload. Uh, he just needs to get that whole tackling thing sorted out. And as we've seen as well, like especially this year in the NRL, I mean, signing a good, experienced halfback mm. can make a world of difference. Hopefully, Foz is exactly yeah. uh, what the Gold Coast Titans speaking of Speaking of, you want you want Foz's left edge. The, 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 like the, Foz is incredible at just tying in defenders and playing direct and creating that space out the back on his left edge. So I think whoever the left edge winger is at the Titans, which is hopefully Corey Thompson, could be a cheeky one. Fuck, if it is Marsu, that could be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you end up with Foz for feeder, Marsu, who's the left yeah. centre? Brian Kelly's normally... Yeah, Brian, Brian Kelly's Kelly. left centre. Could, it could be a decent little strike edge there. It'd be match-up dependent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they could be interesting on that front, the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, guys, that will do us for the first... Oh no, we got the Dolphins. The great Dolphins. Dolphins. Now, uh, we had a quick look through their side uh, and look, I, I just... Uh, the guys they've signed, none of them are overly super coach relevant. You've got, you know, your, your Bromiches, you've got your Kafusis, your Marky Nichols. Some of the great fellas of rugby league, but none of them overly <laughs> super coach relevant. I would assume, like, I think the best super coach player they've probably signed is Ewan Aitken. I would assume that signing Bromwich and Felice Kafusi, Aitken probably plays centre. 
I can't see him starting in the back row, so he becomes irrelevant for me pretty quickly. Mm. Even like your Sean O'Sullivan's, like his price is going to be sky high this year after his time with the Penrith Panthers. I couldn't possibly consider him. So we've got a couple of guys. I've got a couple of young guys I want you to keep an eye on. The first one is Isaiah Katoa uh, from the Penrith Panthers. Uh, played his first game reserve. Great on the weekend. I think he got man of the match for the Panthers in that one. Very impressive. He's going up there. I think he's going to be a real star of the future. Whether he starts next year I don't know, but I think you'll see him at some point. So he could be a decent little downgrade option at some point. My other one, and I promise you, if this guy is in their round one team, he will be. He should be in every single super coach side. Uh, Valence Tivare. Now they signed him from. A, apologies if I, if I got the pronunciation right. I haven't actually heard anyone say I'm his name him yet. Just for the name alone. Well, mate, it's a cracker. Yeah. Now. I, I've been watching him play for the Dolph, Redcliffe Dolphins over the last few weeks. Uh, he's. I think the best way to describe him is Conrad Harrell reincarnated. Mm. Now, we know when Connie was at his absolute best, Supercoach-wise, he was fantastic. And that Supercoach probably didn't lend itself to those sort of players back then. Now it does. Yeah. Uh, I think this guy could be really special. He's played 12 games of Queensland Cup this year. It's also his first year of Rugby League. He scored 11 tries, had 15 line breaks, and he's broken 74 tackles in 12 games. So he will be a super coach throbber next season. He will be <laughs> sensational, averaging 141 run meters. I'll just take you through his first two games of rugby league. His first game, uh, he scored two tries. He had a try assist. He had three line breaks and 14 tackle breaks. In his second game, he had two tries, zero try assists. So a bit of a letdown there. Three line breaks and 13 tackle breaks. He is a monster. So he is one that I would be keeping a close eye on. Um, had a fantastic season to finish for the Dolphins. Scored a heap of tries, breaking ridiculous tackles. Uh, he had one game where he didn't break a single tackle. He came off the bench for 12 minutes. Outside of that, his lowest game as far as tackle breaks was three. So you're looking at, uh, you're looking at a, a guy not to be fucked with there, I think. He sounds a bit like a... A once-in-a-generation supercoach throbber. He does. I, I think he might be up there, and I'll and I'll be pushing this very, very. I'll be pushing this narrative massively. <laughs> He's one to keep an eye on. Isaiah Cattell is another one, and then we've got young Robert Jennings, who leads the Penrith Panthers. Uh, he's not going to be as cheap as we would have liked, but if he gets a spot in this team, worth considering. But I'm not convinced they're going to score all that many points and I don't think this bloke's going to pass the football to him if he's outside him and I hope he doesn't yeah. so what are your thoughts on Robert Jennings he's probably the only recognised name that we're probably interested in you've got your Edric Lees your Brancos but none of them are going to be cheap enough to consider could you look at Robert Jennings uh, no and, and I'll struggle to look at pretty well everyone in this side except for maybe your man Tavare whatever yeah Tavare just because I mate the, the squad they're throwing together they need to make some serious off-season signings because it's looking pretty grim up there. Uh, on top of that, uh, I always try and avoid new combinations and clubs that have thrown new squads together. Unless they're not really solid supercoach buyers, just because it takes time for combinations to form. Yep. Um, but ultimately, I just think that the Dolphins roster looks crook. It doesn't take Andrew Johns to tell you that one. Um, I probably one bloke. And, and Did I'm, you think that anyone was mistaking you for Andrew Johns? No, who knows? Because I can guarantee you they weren't. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, the only one I'm scratching at the 
at the bit a little bit here, but Canelli Lumi Lumi, is that how you pronounce it? Cowboys back roller. Yeah. Center turn back roller. Uh, this season averaged 36 and a half across four games. So he'll actually, having played, I think it's less than five or six games, they do get a price reduction. He'll start pretty cheap. Now, he won't be one for the start of the season unless there's injuries because of Kenny Bromwich and you'd imagine Felice Cafusi will be the starting edge back rowers there. But he has made the transition from back line to forward, as we've seen a bit more these days, and looks all right. So if there's injuries there and he can lock in a big minute edge back row role, there's potential there and he'll be very cheap, particularly if he starts the year off the bench in limited minutes. But, yeah, mate, hard to get too excited about anything at the Dolphins. The only other one I would throw up there, and I think it's unlikely, but Ray Stone's going there. Coming off an ACL, so we always know to be hesitant with players. But um, he's only played – like, he played 80 minutes for the Panthers in the last game of 2021. Um, 64 base stats in 80 minutes. So if he does get a big-minute role, he could be interesting. Um, But I don't know if he'd be able to keep that up for the entire season. I'm glad they've got Jeremy Marshall King. You'd assume he'd be an 80-minute nine. Mm. So hopefully Ray Stone becomes a big-minute 13. But – I think I could throw a dart at the rest of the competition and probably hit a 13 yep. that I, that's more reliable than Ray Stone, especially coming off an injury. Mm. So uh, Dolphins, I think it's going to be pretty grim as far as Supercoach goes. I think we'll get one or two cheapies that'll pop out of this side. Uh, but as it stands right now, none of those guys I could consider. And But even who, who like if they do manage to land a really big fish, I still don't think I could look at them. Yeah, not a lot of change. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it'll just be off-season Tavare watch after those Tavare starts. watch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'll be hearing about him. Don't worry about (laughs) that. One of the black bookers for next year. Uh, Guys, thank you for joining us once again. Next Monday afternoon, we'll be going through the next four teams in the competition, which are the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Manly Seagulls, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, and the Brisbane Broncos. We will have a special guest back next week, the Blue Wealth Bulldog. He'll be joining us, ready to bully you once again, which I can't wait for. Bulldog by name, bulldog by nature. Love it. uh, We'll just read name the episode the roast of tim williams because i know it's coming <laughs> bloody wim Williams, one of our favorites thanks for joining us again guys make sure you go out grab yourself a case of bloke in a bar and if you are interested reach out to tony at the team at blue wealth property they make investing in property easy for you cheers legends